This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. Sean's on vacation this week, and so I'm filling in for him. Day 11 of that UAW strike, and now it's becoming a political football for next year's U.S. presidential campaign. Tomorrow, President Joe Biden will be in Metro Detroit to meet with strikers. The Detroit News reports it's the first time in 100 years that a sitting president has met with strikers. Then, on Wednesday, former President Donald Trump will be in Metro Detroit to give a speech to union strikers. Over the weekend, Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, speaking to leaders in the Republican Party in Michigan, blamed the strike on President Biden's policies. Mike Pence and Nikki Haley also issued statements blaming the president. And Republican presidential candidate Tim Scott suggested that all the striking workers should be fired. So the UAW filed a labor complaint against him. All this political grandstanding is only going to help UAW President Sean Fain. He's been able to turn the strike into a national issue that's putting a spotlight on the power of the United Auto Workers. Meanwhile, in Canada, Ford and the Canadian Union, Unifor, agreed to a new labor contract without any of the rancor and animosity that's going on in the states. 54% of the workforce voted in favor of it. Ford agreed to boost wages 22% over the course of the three-year contract, and workers will get more than $7,400 for signing that contract. New hires will now get 70% of top wages and move up to full wages in four years instead of today's eight years. Ford will also restore cost of living adjustments, or COLA, instead of lump sum payments. Surprisingly, Ford agreed to reinstate fully defined pensions for all Canadian workers beginning in 2025. Undoubtedly, the UAW is going to seize on that since it too has been demanding a return to full benefit pensions instead of employee savings plans. And no doubt General Motors and Stellantis are going to feel that Ford is giving too much away. As you probably know, last week the UAW expanded the strike to 38 GM and Stellantis parts depots in 20 different states. That's going to immediately impact the companies and their dealers and their customers. It was already hard enough to get your car repaired or serviced due to a shortage of techs. Throw a part shortage on top of that, and the strike's going to hurt a lot more than just the car companies. And service parts are a very profitable business for automakers and dealers. But the UAW may be treading on thin ice. That part shortage could adversely affect police and fire departments, ambulance services, and even airport vehicles. And if the strike starts to affect the general public, that could turn public support against the union. According to the Anderson Economic Group, the strike has already cost the American economy $1.6 billion. There are now more than 18,600 workers on strike, and thousands more have been forced into layoffs. The economic pain for those on strike is real and immediate. The union is only paying them $500 a week, and they do not qualify for state unemployment. It also looks like the UAW workers who were forced into layoffs because of the strike may not qualify for unemployment either, but they will get that $500 a week. But even if they do, 
they're no longer going to get supplemental unemployment benefits or sub-benefits from the automakers. Under the previous labor contract, the Detroit Three would pay out sub-benefits on top of state unemployment benefits that would get workers to about 75% of their take-home pay. But since that contract expired, the automakers are under no obligation to pay sub-benefits. With Tejin Automotive Technologies, we combine world-class composite materials expertise with cutting-edge designs. Because frankly, there are better ways to lightweight vehicles. So lighten up with Tejin Automotive Technologies, the formula for better mobility. Okay, enough of all that strike stuff. You know, we're often asked, are Chinese automakers going to sell cars in the American market? Well, here's part of your answer. Chinese automaker NIO just celebrated opening its new North American headquarters in San Jose, California. The building is no located near its previous headquarters, but it's twice the size. And the opening was attended by 70 business partners as well as local government officials. In 2021, NIO's CEO, William Lee, said they would start selling vehicles in the U.S. in 2025. And last year, he said, its next-gen vehicles are coming to the U.S. However, there's still no definitive date when the company will enter the U.S. market, and its current efforts are focused on Europe. And Chinese car exports sure are surging. According to Car News China, Chinese automakers exported 436,000 cars in August. That's up 39% from last year. And for the first eight months of the year, China has exported more than 3.2 million vehicles. That's 65% higher than a year ago. And it now makes China the number one vehicle exporter in the world, ahead of Japan. Exports to Russia have helped fuel that growth. Last year, China exported 160,000 cars to Russia. So far this year, that's gone up to 544,000 cars. Mexico is actually second, the second largest market for Chinese exports but that's less than half of Russia's volume. And most Chinese EV exports are ending up in Western Europe, but that could slow down because the EU is launching an investigation into Chinese EV imports. And now from China, we move back over to Europe, where the ACEA, the European Automobile Manufacturers Association, is begging the European Union not to tax EVs that are traded between the UK and the EU. If the EU fails to act, EVs going in either direction are going to get a 10% tariff slapped on them, which could reduce sales by 480,000 vehicles and cost automakers 4.8 billion euros over the next three years. Eliminating that tariff would also help European automakers compete more favorably against the Chinese EVs that are pouring into the European market. And finally, Here's a news item that should make enthusiasts jump for joy. Manual transmissions are actually making a comeback. Well, a bit of a comeback. J.D. Power reports that sales of vehicles with a stick shift will account for 1.7% of the U.S. market this year. That's up from 1.2% last year and 0.9% in 2021. So sticks have almost doubled their market share in just the last two years. CarMax says manual transmission sales at its dealerships hit 2.9% last year, up from 2.4% in 2020. And there isn't any one factor responsible for the increase. 
But it's not because buyers are trying to save money. Manuals are no longer cheaper than automatics, and they usually do not get better fuel economy either. CarMax says it's 20-something buyers who are driving the increase, but older consumers are also buying manuals for nostalgia. And the best-selling vehicles with a manual are the Honda Civic, the Ford Mustang, Subaru WRX, Jeep Wrangler, and Chevy Camaro. And that brings us to the end of today's report. Thank you for watching AutoLine Daily. AutoLine Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Intrepid Control Systems, over-the-air engineering, boost your game. Scheffler, we pioneer motion. And by Tajin Automotive Technologies, the formula for better mobility. We want to know what drives your testing. OTA, connected car, diagnostics, remote testing. Intrepid Control Systems is here to help you work from anywhere. Intrepid Control Systems, driven by your data. At Scheffler, we pioneer motion. Electrifying mobility. Manufacturing smarter. Reducing CO2 emissions. Making energy production clean. Scheffler pioneers motion to advance how the world moves.